Welcome, everybody, to the Tokyo AI podcast number five for April 24th, Friday, 2020. Getting crazy out there in the world. How's it going? How's it going indeed? This is episode number five, and I've been checking the analytics on a daily basis, and it's interesting to see who is tuning in. Uh, this podcast is available so far on Spotify, iTunes, as well as MatthewPMBigelow.com, and that's my name, Matt Bigelow, uh, here to, to, give, to give you analysis and research on the language side of the algorithm. Uh, I've been studying AI, and I was working in a telecom company for a few years, teaching AI trends to uh, engineers in Japan here in Tokyo, and... Uh, some of those people know how to use all those symbols and I don't. So I'm on, I'm on the human to human communication side. So if you're looking for the podcast where people are going into Bert and uh, Qbert and, and how to uh, analyze vectors, automate vector analysis for um, idiomatic expressions uh, translated from language to language and how to implement that code, I'm not doing that. It's too crazy for me. On this podcast, I like to focus on AI markets, biometrics, and surveillance capitalism. Uh, it is my viewpoint that we are moving into a surveillance capitalist society. And the way that these methods and solutions and companies will emerge and what they try to do will affect our lives greatly in the coming 10, 20 years. So my whole point is to have a society where it's human-centered AI and humans control AI and not the other way around. And I don't mean like the AGI, uh, Skynet, Terminator type of thing. I just mean how a lot of social media uses algorithms to create ephemeral, ephemeral experiences so we do things without us actually knowing how. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of it. So let's take a look. This is uh, coming to us from Wired.com. Oh, by the way, I am I am neutral. I am, I'm trying to be as neutral as possible with my own opinions, if that makes sense. So when I say Wired.com, I'm not some Wired geek and I'm not some Wired hater. It's just where this is coming from. And to be honest, after analyzing the news and working with the news for about the past 10 years, 95% of all news articles have the same data points that they shoehorn their bias into. An interesting example of this was the SoftBank robot Pepper came out with a new uh, language analysis format, and I was looking up news about it, and um, the tech news people would review the what the capabilities with the numbers and then the feminist blogger would review how this affects uh, language and feminism with the numbers and then the um the the robot comparison uh podcast would use the numbers and talk about how those numbers compare to other robot numbers but basically everybody had very different biases but the exact same data points so that is a huge part of the news okay so let's get into it and this one uh, ventures into human rights associated with surveillance capitalism. So let's begin from Wired.com. The Great Wired, or the Hated Wired, depending on who you are. MIT has terminated a research collaboration with iFly Tech, 
a Chinese artificial intelligence company accused of supplying technology for surveilling Muslims in the northwestern province of Xinjiang. In October 2019, the U.S. government banned six Chinese AI companies, including iFlyTech, from doing business with American firms for reportedly supplying technology used to oppress minority Uyghurs in Xinjiang. In 2017, Human Rights Watch claimed iFlyTech supplied police departments in Xinjiang with technology for identifying people using their voice prints. Press reports paint a grim picture of widespread surveillance in the province, including the detention and disappearance of more than one million people. iFlyTech is one of China's older AI companies, and while it specializes in voice recognition, it also offers tools for analyzing legal documents and medical imagery. Like other growing Chinese AI companies, contracts to supply software for processing video and audio to police departments and local governments are an important source of revenue. So, I've never been to Xinjiang, uh, but I was uh, looking at some of the research and applications of the, the, the semi or complete police state or martial lockdown there. Um, and this is kind of strange, but the, uh, some Chinese government workers live with the Uyghurs in their homes and sleep with them in their beds and try to tell them about how awesome <laughs> traditional Chinese culture is. Uh, but one, one, one aspect of the surveillance capitalism that I was referencing earlier and, 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 and applications of it right now, uh, some Uyghur villages, uh, every door has a QR code on it. And the QR code has your family database when scanned. And it has how many people are supposed to be living there and the um, age and the names and the sex and the jobs and everything. Basically, they can have... 70 or 80 data points about each person contained in one QR code. So if you're a family of five and your father's a, an electrician and your mother's a nurse and your brother's a dentist and the other brother's a librarian and then the other, and you're a teacher and uh, they can scan that QR code and all that information pops up. And if they're supposed to be in the home, they can then, the police, the Chinese police officers can knock on the door, walk into the house and if, say, uh, the elder brother is not in the home, they can say, well, the Chinese police officer may then ask the Uyghurs in the house, say, where is the older brother? And they would say, I don't know, maybe he's out shopping. So then the Chinese police officer can determine where the older brother is through AI microphone networks where the older brother's voice sample has been turned into a code. And if the brother is in a grocery store near a microphone that's recording in real time, then that brother's uh, voice will also be turned into the same code based on AI analysis. So the police officer can then determine exactly where the older brother is by requesting voice samples through the AI microphone network, which is pretty crazy. Or let's say the brother isn't talking and the brother is walking. Well, not only is the brother's voice print kept in the database, but his gait 
Print, G-A-I-T print, the way he walks. Everybody has a way of walking. So then if the voice print doesn't come back through the request on the officer's smartphone in the Uyghur village in the house, he can say, all right, what about the gate? This is the idea. I'm not sure how accurate it is or how widespread it is. All right, now we can see that the brother is walking through a market in the town of blah, blah, and now the police officers can then send a message to another nearby police officer in that area where the brother is walking, and then they can go up to the brother and say, what are you doing here in this market? Aren't you supposed to be at home? Uh, That's not science fiction. It's not some crazy guy on the Internet, although it might be, but that's what's going on in the towns in Xinjiang. Um, It's not only about locking up a million people inside of a concentration camp and imagining the horrors that we've all seen in Hollywood and things like that. It's when you go down a few layers and a few steps and you realize to get to the concentration camp, there is a sequence of of steps that are required to be taken in order to get there. So if the brother is just walking through the market and buying some bat soup for dinner or whatever, maybe the officers will go, well, enjoy your bat soup. That looks quite delicious. But maybe the brother is in a bookstore and he's reading books about Hong Kong. Then you're going to the concentration camp. So uh, that's been going on for a few years now. And uh, most universities uh, in, in, in North America are totally oblivious to this type of ideas. And, and, uh, and the fact that MIT um, is, has been getting really close with these uh, AI companies, despite the Chinese AI companies' amazing achievements in compute power and networking and, and establishing new technologies, in the AI fields and industries, some of the applications on the other end. So if you're an MIT uh, engineer, scientist, researcher, contributing uh, with um, Chinese colleagues associated with some of these AI companies, then you're kind of directly related to the lockup of, of these people. So the technology being sold to the police state is sold at really good prices and on five to 10 year contracts where everybody makes money and everybody's happy. But the outcome is the imprisonment of a million people uh, because they're reading books that the government doesn't want you to read. Number two, Japanese IOT firms pour into aquaculture. <laughs> pour, get it. At the Japan, and oh wait, actually I really like this article. This comes to us from the website um, called seafoodsource.com. A lot of really good information comes from these aggregate websites or websites that just focus on IoT news, iottechnews.com, something like that. You don't get a lot of details and information, but you get really succinct explanations of what's going on. And you also don't have a whole bunch of journalists trying to be uh, uh, too aggressive with with their style. So I thought that uh, Chris Lowe did a really good job reporting from Osaka, Japan. And these uh, news sources will be on my website, matthewpmbigelow.com. And you can just go there, go there, go there, go there. Give me some traffic, bros and broettes. Uh, all right. 
Uh, at the Japan International Seafood and Technology Show, the 21st annual edition of the Expo, Umitron KK introduced its Umitron Cell 2, a new model of smart aquaculture feeding system, following the Umitron Cell that was announced on 25th January. The company has dual headquarters in Tokyo and Singapore. That's actually significant because Japan is more and more um, collaborating with uh, high-tech developments in Southeast Asian companies, especially Singapore, Thailand, a little bit in Vietnam, and pushing into Indonesia, although places like um, the Isle of Java are easy enough. Uh, that's a pretty wild and untamed land. I've been there, and uh, you just, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy. All right, continuing, back to the article. The device is an automatic feed dispenser for aquaculture pens that uses IoT technology and can be managed remotely via the cloud through a smartphone. These units operate using solar power and satellite signal connectivity, allowing stable data acquisition and remote system updates offshore. When used with Umitron's Fish Appetite Index, or the FAI, which the company claims is the world's first real-time ocean-based fish appetite detection system. Timing of feeding and quantity of feed can be optimized to avoid waste. Feed is one of the biggest expenses for fish farmers. Right? little way to push the technology towards the users. The system uses machine learning and image analysis techniques to extract data from video streams that is then used to measure fish appetite. Through the app, users are able to see underwater video showing fish activity, take remote control of the feeder, and perform data analysis of feeding logs. The device eliminates the need to take a boat out to an aquaculture site for daily feedings, though occasional refilling of the feed is needed. Taking a boat out in rough weather or on holidays can be avoided and fuel and labor cost can be saved. So there we go. So that's a very different way of using IoT AI technology. Uh, and the ocean is a perfect way to reason to use this, uh, these sensors because going into the ocean sucks for most people. Uh, if it's bad weather, you're just going to avoid it. Uh, if it's rough seas and you go to Nubia on board, maybe they fall over the side and drown and they become fish food, although not very smart if they're dead, right? So by putting sensors into the ocean, a couple of video cameras targeting fish, and um, using machine learning to extract data over time to realize your aquaculture pen's um, habits at a deeper level, data-based instead of hunch-based. Uh, you can increase the feed, optimize the feed, reduce the waste. Oh, one way to do this is with current analysis. So if you have... Um, what seems to be a sunny day, and the fish are ganky, they're happy, uh, and you think, all right, I'm going to go and feed the fish, but there's a really strong current that day uh, for some reason. I'm not an ocean expert. Most of the, your feed is going to be taken away by the current. But let's say that the weather is nice and it's um, a prime feeding opportunity time and there's a strong current. You can look at that current data through your smartphone and go, I'm going to hold off. And then you, may, you might even be able to set a, um, a parameter and say when the current reaches this speed, 
which is slow enough for me to reduce the cost by a factor of X, notify me, and then I'll get on my boat and go out. And you might even risk a bit of bad weather if uh, you can reduce the cost of throwing a whole bunch of feed into the ocean. And then you get uh, fatter fish with less waste, and then you can bring those fish to market and sell them for more money. Uh, there's So <laughs> instead of basically in this case, the fish are the Uyghurs, but we don't care about the fish. So the, where do you point the the gun of, of this technology, you know? In Xinjiang, it's pointed right at the Uyghurs. Uh, in, this, in some aquacultures in uh, Fukuoka near Hiroshima, I think in Miyagi Prefecture or even Aomori, they're pointing them at the fish. All right, and this is number three, the final one for today, the Tokyo AI podcast number five with your host, Matt Bigelow, coming at you from Tokyo, Japan. Indeed, I am, I am. Number three, machine learning could check if you're social distancing properly at work uh, with the COVID-19 raging across the world. I'm actually not too scared of it. I think mostly the way it's being handled is totally insane. It's a real virus. I was pretty frightened of the late January, early February reactions to it. Uh, but the way that it, I've looked at the data in Japan and it, it, it's, it can be really bad, but it, I've talked to some people from Johns Hopkins and uh, Johns Hopkins and, and some other places. And it, it's, the, it's about 0.1% of people that get it that really have some horrible thing happen. So I'm not sure if this global economic shutdown is really worth, been worth it, but that's another story. Um, in some cases it is. Uh, I've, I've noticed some of the elder people who in, in go-karts and who have mobility issues are wearing goggles and like super masks. I think that's probably appropriate. So there we go. Um, so this comes to us, machine learning could check if you're social distancing properly at work. Uh, Andrew knows the startup uh, Landing AI has created a new workplace monitoring tool that issues an alert when anyone is less than the desired distance from a colleague. Six feet apart, on Thursday, the startup released a blog post with a new demo showing video uh, of a new, uh, showing off a new social distancing detector. On the left of side of the screen is a feed of people walking down a street. On the right, uh, a bird's eye diagram represents each one as a dot and turns them bright red when they move too close to someone else. The company says the tool is meant to be used in work settings like factory floors and was developed in response to the request of its customers, which include Foxconn, the suicide nets, you know. It also says the tool can be easily integrated into existing security camera systems, but that it is still exploring how to notify people when they break social distancing. One possible method is an alarm that sounds when workers pass too close to one another. A report could be generated overnight to help managers rearrange the workspace, the company says. Yeah, so it depends on how you trigger the response. So if you are walking and then someone else comes within six feet of you and then your icons turn red and the manager is like, oh, look who's getting too close to each other. You might have your pay docked. Uh, you might be demoted to a worse job. 
Um, so then if, if there's one guy you really don't like working with, everybody just comes within six feet of him and they give him the most red points. And then he becomes a nuisance in the manager's system who's only looking at reasons to punish people based on information being fed from the algorithm. So you could use this to digitally harass and bully the jerks at work. You know, if you're really a schemer, you could even formulate a way to get at the managers using the system. Uh, get them enough red points and get them booted from the company. Who knows? Uh, but this type of um, this type of solution is could be good for um, proving that your companies are are far away from each other in a meat processing plant. Because uh, if you have too many people with COVID in a meat processing plant, the meat processing plant gets closed, and then the meat supply shuts down, and then you have price gouging with pork and and so on. That's not good. Um, yeah, so, but then based on this algorithm, you end up recalibrating an entire system so that everybody stands six feet away. And, uh, you know, that meat processing plants, uh, if everybody becomes six feet away, then you're going to need to expand the factory floor size of your operation by about 600% because those places are just rammed with people right next to each other, hacking and hacking and hacking and hacking and endless supply of meat being dumped onto your onto your conveyor belt. I was going to call it a surveillance belt. Maybe that's what we'll call it. Surveillance belt technology capitalism systems incorporated. So um, who knows? Right now, it's pretty well known in Beijing. There are some areas where if there's a red light and you cross the road on a red light, it displays your image on a big screen. But not only image, your phone number, your address, your personal information. And then another area is if you cross the street and it catches you, it will deduct money from your smartphone wallet right then and there. Uh, so you can capture somebody in the act, but it's how you trigger the action that really affects the uh, the impact on, on your daily life with this kind of crap. Um, could it be used for, uh, for example, for, for virology laboratories coming and going uh, six feet apart? Otherwise, you get a... Otherwise, they spray you with malaria. I don't know. Who knows with this type of stuff? But uh, it's being implemented. It's definitely here. And when it's used in a pan, uh, pan surveillance capitalism used everywhere, it's just abuse for everybody by random managers you've never seen before. But when you apply it in very strict settings and point the gun at the appropriate uh, target, today's example, I think, would be the fish. Uh, then you can you know, Im improve supply chains and food and, and, and profits in people's lives. So that's where we're going to go for it. All right, that's going to be the Tokyo AI Podcast with Matt Bigelow. Remember to go to www.matthewpmbigelow.com to get not only the AI Podcast, but also the Japan What podcast with Tom Aleski and I, where we analyze lifestyle indie music in Japan, as well as this type of technology stuff uh, and again and again. And you can also catch the backlogs of the Maddie B sides, the Maddie B files, another podcast I used to do where I interviewed indie musicians from around the world. It's a rich and diverse life out there. Go get some. Till then, take her easy and see you next time.